0: This is Focal Point, the podcast where we discuss the artist themes and processes that define and sometimes disrupt the world of contemporary photography. I'm Natasha Egan, Executive Director at the Museum of Contemporary Photography at Columbia College Chicago, here with guests Bob Thal and Cecil McDonald Jr. Bob and Cecil are two artists deeply connected to both the MOCP and Columbia College Chicago and I'm thrilled to be in dialogue with them today at Columbia's WCRX FM radio station studio. In June of 2023, the museum honored Bob Thaw with the Silver Camera Award at our annual benefit titled Darkroom. This award honors those who have made significant contributions to the medium of photography. During the event, we invited Cecil McDonald Jr. to be in conversation with Bob about photography, teaching, and mentorship. The conversation was so inspiring that we thought we'd bring them together on Focal Point and expand the conversation. As a brief introduction about our guest, for more than five decades, Bob Thal has photographed his beloved city of Chicago, recording fleeting effects of light, details of architecture, striking juxtapositions of scale, and in his own words, small visual occasions that cumulatively make a place a place. His deep connection to the city and slow working method using a large format camera are both evident in his compelling and richly printed photographs, and his work overall forms an incredible document of the radical transformation of Chicago over time. Bob earned both his BA and MFA from the University of Illinois at Chicago. He is a recipient of the John F. Simon Guggenheim Fellowship He has published four monographs, one of which, A New American Village, was partly organized by the museum. Bob's works is held in many collections, including the Getty in Los Angeles, MoMA, the Art Institute of Chicago, which holds 189 of Bob's photographs, and of course here at the Museum of Contemporary Photography, where we hold 225 of his pictures in our permanent collection. Bob has been a close colleague to many of us at MOCP for decades. He was a faculty member at Columbia from 1978 to 2017 and was chair of the photography department from 1999 to 2011, during which time he served on the MOCP's board for many years. In addition to being an outstanding photographer and astutely critical thinker, Bob is generous and funny, and he was my first graduate photography seminar professor in the mid-1990s, so I have Bob de for my career in this field. One of the reasons we brought Cecil McDonald Jr. together with Bob Thal in conversation is that Bob was also Cecil's first photography professor at Columbia College Chicago many moons ago, and the relationship for decades has remained influential on each other. Cecil studied fashion, house music, and dance club culture before receiving his MFA in photography at Columbia, where he also serves as an adjunct professor and teaching artist at the Center for Community Arts Partnership at Columbia. Cecil is most interested in the intersections of masculinity, familiar relations, and the artistic and intellectual pursuits of black culture, particularly as this culture intersects and informs the larger culture. Through photography, video, dance, and performance, he seeks to investigate and question the norms and customs that govern our understanding of each other, our families, and of the myriad of societal struggles and triumphs. Like Bob, Cecil's work has been exhibited both nationally and internationally with works in permanent collections such as the Cleveland Museum of Art, Chicago Bank of America LaSalle Collection, and naturally, the Museum of Contemporary Photography. Cecil was awarded the Joyce Foundation Midwest Voice and Vision Award, the Arctadia Award, and the Three Arts Teaching Artist Award. In 2016, the first edition of his monograph, The Company of Black, was published and shortlisted by the Aperture Foundation for the 2017 First Book Award. One of my favorite features of this podcast is we often begin by inviting our guests to mine the MOCP's collection of over 17,000 works of art and pick one for them, to talk about to spark dialogue. So we're going to begin here now. So I'd like to welcome Bob and Cecil. Thank you both for joining us. Hi,
1: hi. it's great to be here.
0: So Bob, we're going to start with you. If you don't mind telling us which which object you picked from the collection, a little bit about it. If you can describe to our our listeners what it looks like, why did you choose it, what stood out about it. Let's
2: well, thank you, Tosh. Thank you for that. That was a really generous introduction, too. Thank you so much. And it's nice to be here with you and Cecil. I picked a picture. Uh, it's Slough Gundy, in nineteen sixty-seven, which I think is I, I think is up in Door County someplace. And it's a picture by Joe Jockna, and it's a picture of a stream. And there's a few rocks in the stream. And um, there's foam in the water, and uh, the foam makes this incredible design around the rocks. This was part of uh, Joe's project on water that he did for his master's thesis. And this picture is maybe the key picture in the group. It's very attractive picture, and I, I have a copy in, on my dining room wall, but to me it kind of is the midpoint of the project, which started out photographing streams and things that you would imagine someone might photograph with water. You see the stream, you see the water flowing. And this one starts to get more visual. I don't really know the sequence, but I've always thought of this picture as the tipping point, where this whole four-year project suddenly got to be more about exploring photography and design. I mean, in a simple way, the pictures often became more and more abstract, where you might not even realize you're looking at water or black water going down a snowy drain or ice. So this picture seems to be that pivot point. And Joe Jockton was my teacher, uh, both undergrad and grad. And this this project was such an example for me and became so important in what I did and maybe what I learned from him to try and teach. Uh, so that's my picture.
0: Great, thank you. And Cecil, let's, let's hear. Which one did you pick?
1: Yes, yeah, so um, again, thank you for the invitation. Um, That was a great introduction. I'm like, who was she talking about? Yeah. Um, So I picked a picture by Catherine um, Harris, untitled. Um, I really was looking for an image that I could read code. I think I'm still kind of, I just recently reread Susan Sontag's uh, Against Interpretation. And so I was looking for a photograph that would kind of block any kind of um, initial deep conceptual dig or uh, dive as it were and I was looking for something that was really formally beautiful and just formally the things that I was really attracted to a photography in the very beginning all right before all the talk about what your pictures are about it's like what do they look like what's in them um, formally what are we looking at so it's say I think it's 16 20 20 24 in size black and white it's a, it takes place in a domestic space, which is, of course, something I'm very interested in. And in from my series in the company of Black, which is about um, Black people in domestic spaces, and it takes place again. I think it would lead to a kitchen space or again a domestic space. Uh, definitely a portrait. Uh, the view, the subject um, looks back at us from a profile um, point of view, and um, formally it's just beautiful it's um, lovely lit lit lovely lovely lit (laughs) beautiful light that comes in from the side left hand side of the photograph essentially I was I found another picture by Harrison uh, with a gentleman in the photograph and now looking at this picture it's like oh clearly they're related and so I love that I was still able to have this carryover again I resisted researching Harris So I didn't like, unlike Bob, I didn't have like a deeper kind of sensibility of who the artist was, what their concerns are, what they're working on. But again, I really wanted to come to the picture code. What I find really most beautiful is the way her left foot kind of just hovers over the floor, not quite touching. And there's something about that that appears to be very vulnerable. The subject matter in the picture appears to be vulnerable from a physicality point of view. Um, she seems to be very thin. I keep. I say she. I'm not sure. I should say they. Um, they appear to be very thin and not almost gaunt um, in their appearance. Uh, they are wearing these interesting um, and the telltale signs of that are they appear to be hospital bands that are still attached to their arm, as if they were just released from the hospital, still wearing them, still fresh. And the subject matter is really presented in a very vulnerable way, and the photographer, by extension, has photographed them in a very vulnerable way. Um, There's a lot more to talk about what I think conceptually is happening, but the the physicality of the photograph really is striking, and the gaze returning to the viewer um, from the subject um, is almost haunting. Um, It's really a beautiful photograph.
0: So thank you so much for those comments, and it's so interesting how you both picked um, Such different works, Bob. You pick someone who is your mentor, your teacher. Mm -hmm. You you know the work well. You um, have you live with it. You know on your dining room wall. I think you said, and that Cecil. You pick a work that you come in cold and you want to investigate it, and you don't know anything about it. And you're going to talk about what the conceptualness is to you, because it's um, subjective. And Mm -hmm. so I love that you that how you kind of approached the the project completely differently as well, Um, reaching to, you know, I mean, you didn't know the artist's name or anything before Mm -hmm. picking that piece. So so that was interesting. So I wanted to ask you, Cecil, when you were in conversation with Bob at our fundraiser event, Mm -hmm. one of the things you mentioned is that you took a photography class with Bob. It was one of your first photography class, and you can, your life like pivoted mm-hmm. <laughs> into having Bob as a teacher that you pivoted to work, spend now, a, have a career as a photographer. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that experience?
1: Yeah. Um, I remember showing Bob some pictures early on, and he had this very cool way of telling you that you were doing something well, but not too much of a pat on the back, because you can, like, like, he was afraid you might get complacent, right? And he said, oh, no, oh, these are interesting. These are interesting. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? I was like expecting more, like, to be bald. Yeah, he would be bowled over by it. But I'm like, well, Bob, I'm bowled over by anything, so why would he be bowled over by my photograph? He's always has <laughs> a, a really wonderful kind of, we call it cool, right? So when I say we black people, we call it just cool. He's very, uh, has this wonderful kind of restraint. And you can tell by even the photographs that he picked, the, those photographs are cool, right? In that they they appear to be um, almost placid or very much restrained. But like the photograph he described, clearly there's so much happening with that image that you have to be cool to even sit and watch it to know that there's something there that you need to bring back or that you should photograph to bring back. You know what I mean? And so the photographs don't scream or jump out at you. You have to really do some deep investigation. And so for me, he kind of really matched what I thought was my way of working and thinking as well. And i never forget, I was showing him these early hip-hop photographs. And then he said, yeah, you know, I wish I had a photograph hippies more I remember thinking, oh, okay, so every kind of generation has their thing in front of them that's percolating in the world, and then like, what you point your camera at is really super important, right? And and I'm always telling my students this, well, you cannot discount subject matter, right? People think, oh, I can just photograph anything. Well, yeah, you could, but subject matter is really super important, and Bob was one of those kind of person that made me really think about the environment I was growing up in, where I was a grow, growing up by then, but things that would happen around Columbia College that you might just walk by every day, but he had the sensibility of like no, 10 years from now, these pictures will mean a lot more, right? And so from that, I started to develop this philosophy that photographs need time, that photographs grow, that photographs get important as the days go by, and in the very beginning they may not have that, right? And it's okay as a student to wait on that, to invest your time and your energy and resources on that payback that in 10 years, these photographs would mean so much more. Right. And at that time, Bob was showing his, I believe they were alley photographs. I can't remember which one, they were the alley photographs. Yeah. And I remember thinking, wow, I'll pass these alleys all the time. And I'm like, wow, look at this. And it just really opened my eyes to be more attentive. And I probably on some level have always been an attentive person paying attention to my environments, but it was through that class, through Bob's tutelage, that I was able to say, oh, that physically it shows up this way. Because one thing to carry th- ideas around your head, but wh- what do they show up physically, right? And for us, it's in the photograph, right? So, was, so those early days were very instructive, and I, again, drew that into my students as well, and it's clearly coming from that lineage.
0: Well you know, speaking of lineage, I'd love to mm-hmm. hear from you, Bob, about you know, I know that Joe Jockna was your teacher. I also right. know that Joe Jockna was taught by Aaron Siskin and Harry Callahan. Right. And then you were Cecil's teacher and now Cecil's a teacher. Right. So can you talk about that that, that lineage and, and in in some cases I've experienced where, you know, there's the the students produce work that looks a lot like their teachers. Yeah. And in my experience with you, And we can see this between you and Cecil. Your students, you encouraged them to go in very, very different directions. But I'd love to hear about that kind of lineage. My (laughs) work
2: is different than Joe Jockton's. Well, I'm sitting here listening to the really, really wonderful things Cecil is saying. And everything Cecil is talking about, if you drill down, there's a love of photography's potential. As uh, as a particular thing, I mean, when you say that you you approached the picture you picked today without knowing any context or background, well, there's there's a faith there that the picture itself can can mean something yeah. and have some mm-hmm. importance without the wall label, without right. Right. without the history, that the picture can really do something, and and then you're looking at how the visual things are important, uh, the formal things are important. And, and this is something that comes from, I think, this long strain, um, starting with Maholi and mm-hmm. the Institute of Design and Siski and Callahan and then Jokna and those other mm-hmm. teachers, like Ken Josephson, where people really love photography and they weren't worried too much about what was going on in painting or Mm -hmm. in galleries, but it's like this wonderful, separate thing, photography. And I can hear that echoing, and of course that's what I learned Mm -hmm. from Joe Jockton, what he learned from Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Siskin and Callahan. And I, I do think it's interesting. Serious photography is still a pretty small world, And it's rare that somebody is doing good work all by themselves, popped up independently. Mm -hmm. Usually there's a line of teachers, right, in the schools. Mm -hmm. And I think Columbia has been a presence like that, but you don't see it as much because I think it was an ethic, Tosh, that we would not tell students what kind of work to do. That we would let them find their own direction and then help mm-hmm. them with it and help them work according to certain principles maybe and but we didn't have a, a standard look to our work. So but I think Columbia is another line of it's a little
1: blended, it's not mm-hmm. st- straight out of ID. Right. And I'm always um, extending that very line of conversation to the students today like where Columbia's the concept of teaching photography comes from, mm-hmm. and because I, I heard it from you, right? Yeah. And so you kind of pass those things down. Uh, what I liked about the Harrison work is that many students would not think to point the camera at, a, and when I say not a grad student, but like a freshman, they would not think to point the camera at their grandmother who's ill or who just came home from the hospital. This is just not a picture you're going to make. And so, you, a picture like this gives, lets you know the potential of photography and it is about, that's the truly way to not so you're not copying Bob is, one way to do that is to go home and look in your own space and that space is your space and it's no one else's space. You can make great photographs from this but at least start the journey of discovery, right? Like what do your parents really look like? Your grandparents, what do they really look like? All right? And photographs have a very wonderful way of showing us what the world looks like, right? And I always tell them, I said, how do we even know you were here? You must go out and photograph these people. How do you know you even existed? The photograph does that, which goes back to the idea that the photograph gets better, it grows, it deepens over time. So I see my teaching, I can like literally see shoulders I stood on and, oh, I'm repeating something Dawood said. I'm repeating right. something that Bob said. Oh, Barbara Casson used to say that.
2: You know, what you're talking about is, it goes to a basic idea of modernism that I think was at the ID. And that idea is that the things of ordinary life can be the materials of high art, right? And and that happened in lots of fields. You know, you have Willie Loman in The Death of a Salesman. That's the subject Mm -hmm. of a play. It, It doesn't have to be King Lear anymore. And when you think about people would photograph Yosemite or, or Yellowstone, and if they were going to do a nude, it would be an incredible, rare-toned mm-hmm. person. Then you have Callahan doing his landscapes in Hyde Park and photographing his very normal wife, mm-hmm, right? right? his normal mm-hmm. home, home life. life and it didn't have to be dramatic and it didn't have to be some famous person or some crisis Mm -hmm. and uh, your family is the subject of high art Mm -hmm. and not not because they're odd in some way or Mm -hmm. dramatic uh, or linked to some huge crisis because normal life can be the stuff to look at and of course Mm -hmm. that's what I did, I felt like this was my landscape, and I'd try and make pictures
1: yeah i i even I do it when I'm um speaking. I'll introduce myself as a modernist <laughs> just for like it', it seems so- an, like an antiquated thing to say and be, yeah, but I just love it. I still like wrap my arms around it. it's like how I come to everything, and then the concepts will emerge out of that conceptually, what's happening <laughs> will emerge. But I, I just hang my hat on that modernist thing. And um I just think I just had to say that. It's like, um, I was raised as a modernist. I just like to say that in my lectures. Mm-hmm. I can open up like that.
2: Could you be a neo modernist now? <laughs> Is there some I way to oh, yeah.
1: Okay, I'm gonna write that down. Neo modernist. Okay. <laughs> Put that in there. Yeah. It's interesting too to teach like that in this period. Um because there's so many concepts, right? And there is a sense that everything goes now, right? Anything could be art. Anything could, is possible. The possibility is there. Anything we do can be worthy of something. And then so how, where does a modernist fit in that kind of space? Right? But for me, it just keeps me kind of grounded in what photographs do formally, first and foremost.
2: I mean, your work is so wonderful, and and it's what I look for because... I mean, my favorite kind of work is work that deals with the world somehow, Mm -hmm. but is really conscious of picture-making. And there's all these ideas that are really important. And um, family, you know, I I was a single guy until my 60s, so Mm -hmm. I don't understand family life. Mm -hmm. Oh, I never knew that. Certainly black life. That explains a lot about black Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. why you're so cool. You're not like how a lot of kids pulling on you. <laughs> the, oh, that's what that is. Okay. Yeah, that all right. might be the difference. <laughs> yeah, I live alone in my
2: little totally self-centered. That that might be what you're mistaken uh, for. coolness. total self-focused. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, all these things that are really important and, and valuable and deal with normal life and your life and social uh, web, but, you're really a picture maker too and that and that I know that balance is really hard to hit right mm-hmm. where they don't get in each other's way and so that's the um, that's what my favorite kind of work is and why I like your work so much
1: mm. thank you
2: Bob I appreciate yeah. hearing
1: that yeah you know what I think is interesting too Bob is that we um, I've been thinking a lot of, uh, lately I've been thinking a lot about my role to the next generation of artists. And I think on some level, photographers are loners, and in this, right? Yeah. And then so you get this role where students are expecting you to somehow do something for them, right? Other than show them and talk about their pictures and show them how pictures are made. Then it's like, well, what else, right? And so I'll get, you know, do you need an assistant? And I'm like, no, no, I don't need an assistant. And then I'm like, well, no, you do need one. So this is, I guess I'm trying to get to this point where I'm being more proactive outside of the classroom, right, because that's this very particular space. Um, And so I'll get these emails like, can I come work with you or can I assist you? Like I was wondering, like how were you with that? Like, were you? I, I was uh, very
2: private. F-
1: yeah, me too. Right. O- outside. Of, I think that works against us.
2: Yeah, it probably does. Yeah. Well, you were talking about video, and I was remembering when I was in school, the advice was: if you're a photographer and you like working with other people, go become a filmmaker. Right. But photographers are basically filmmakers that can't stand working with anyone else. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I, I never did that because I walk around and I try and get in my own little fog and right. I've been thinking about that uh, even at home now as I try and straighten out my archive that I really should have assistance and mm-hmm. I could be working a lot faster but um, I, I don't know and yeah. it, it is an interesting thing because I'm 74 now and every now and then well more now I um uh, I think you know I wonder what what have I accomplished, or mm-hmm. what could, and right. it's great to see, even though of course, Colombia is a big program, there's lots of teachers, and I don't take credit for anybody, you know, or just but you can see people that have done well, and you feel like, oh, maybe I helped with that, mm-hmm. and that's really a nice feeling, and this the darkroom event was nice that way. it was um, very reassuring. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard to tell. And what I I liked about photography, being an undisciplined kid, was every day you ended up with something that didn't exist the d- day before. You know, you mm-hmm. shot some film. It was in small lumps too, which was good for this undisciplined person I was. You shot some film, you developed the film, there's the film. Mm-hmm. You made some proof sheets, there it is. Every day's work, you had something to show for it, some physical thing. Right. And that was hugely important to me, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I could just build it brick by brick by brick and develop better habits. Um, that's what I, I really, one of the things I really loved about photography. Mm-hmm. And it those things exist, and then, um, I mean, they're just pieces of paper. But often, you know, I photograph uh, urban landscapes and buildings Mm -hmm. and buildings and concrete and roads, bridges. Those are big, huge, heavy, permanent things. Mm -hmm. But so often the only thing that's left is a piece of paper, my photograph. And Mm -hmm. the actual huge, heavy...
1: The right. solid
2: thing is gone, and what's left in the world is my piece of paper All right. with the image. Right, which is like a portal. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and they get better and better as they right. get older, what right? you were talking they about. They do, they do,
1: yeah.
0: I loved in the very beginning when you said, Cecil, when you mentioned time, um, mm-hmm. and that things get better. And as a student, you, everything's so instantaneous and your world is you know you've been around you've been on the planet for 20 years (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you think it's huge Uh, so so I think having that mentor of someone who understands um, when you look back 30 years from now how how it changes um, Mm -hmm. so much so we've we've heard a bit about obviously being a teacher and and teaching and then that legacy going on but I'd love to hear how has your work changed because of being a teacher and reflecting back, going the other way? What Mm -hmm. have you gained from students or the students' work or what, how, like, even between the two of you, your relationship and influencing Mm -hmm. each other? I'm curious if you have any remarks to think about it going the reverse way.
1: Right. Well, for me, it was, Bob's photograph that he brought to class and he was talking about a book. And I said, hmm, a book. I can have a book too. you know." And so everything he was doing, I would, I would just mirror it. It was like, oh, I can do that too. And the, the examples. And by example, by just being that person and not distinctly telling me, well, you can do X, Y too. Just being in the world who you are, if you're paying attention to that person, they provide a blueprint for you. Right. And you just kind of just go out and do that. And I tell my students the same thing. It's like, if I'm not the one that you're looking at, well, then there's a plethora of instructors here you should be looking at. There's the You should always be looking to find that person. And so when I'm making work and I'm thinking about talking about work, probably more so about the talking about pictures now, I do have a student in mind. Because remember, it used to be, oh, the picture would say everything it needed to say. And it's like, well, no, it can't. It doesn't you still have to almost like hold people by the hand and talk to them about what the picture means, what it's about. And so, so knowing that I have that responsibility of being in front of young minds, young artists, I kind of really um, focus and zero in on like why this is important, how it can change your life. And again, so I the things I saw what was happening in Bob's work, Again, I'm not making that same work, but I understood that, oh, these these pictures can be important. And not just for me, right? Because they're clearly important for me. I'm making them, right? But then you understand, oh, they can have a different life outside of you. And even more so, oh, you realize, oh, these pictures will be here when I'm gone, right? And then so it just made me, uh, being a teacher makes me, Really try to be crystal clear about the importance of the work. Yeah, I'm constantly, and I think also, too, I'm exposed. This is one of the reasons why I picked the um, the work that I picked to look at because I wanted to look at a new artist and maybe an artist that, because, you know, what happens is the longer you do it, the more artists you realize you are not looking at because right? you have your people who who influenced you, who you are really excited about when you first started. You kind of stay with them. And, of course, you're a student of the, the, the genre photography itself, so you're always looking at new work. So I said, let me just go someone totally new that I hadn't seen before. And so the Snyder Prize like, okay, new grad students. And then seeing those works, it kind of um, solidifies, oh, I'm in the right business, I'm in the right field, because... People are still making really compelling photographs, and you look at their birthday. You go, they were born nineteen eighty five, born ninety one. It's like, oh, geez, right? But you feel like, oh, I'm in the, the, um, the continuum, right? I'm part of that, and now they're part of it. And so, looking at that work, new student work, that's what it does. It kind of keeps you in the loop in a way. So, I was thinking about you being retired. And, like, if you're not around – because you're in a a, a college setting just looking at photographs all the time, new ones. I think it was you that said we could talk about bad photographs forever, right? Because we we would just sit around and talk about pictures. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, like, when you remove – because I've thought about not teaching, right, and, like, what that would mean for my practice. I I don't have any conclusions yet on that because I still do the work of teaching, but what happens when I'm not teaching anymore? Like, what – how would that have changed my yeah. practice? Yeah, I miss it. Mm-hmm. You're you're a great teacher, I can
2: tell, because you're saying such terrific things. So there's like six things you just mm-hmm. said I want to talk about, but mm-hmm. well, let me try and answer um, Tasha's question. And and I do miss teaching. I don't miss the drive and mm-hmm. faculty meetings and all that, but. Uh, I, d- I do miss seeing all those pictures and being part of that community. Mm-hmm. You know, my work, the kind of person I am, is my work's never taken any big changes. So it's not like I love Cecil's work and I started photographing my family all of a sudden. Or, right, right. But, um, you know, I would, st- students' work w- would affect me in a couple ways. I mean, one, they make such great pictures, it reminds me of what I love about photography, you know, and mm-hmm. at all levels, mm-hmm. students do it, and then and then sometimes I hear my advice coming back on me, you know, right. because I'll, I'll hit it. you know, right now I'm not in a particularly productive period, and I can imagine what I would be saying to one of my grad students right. in this position, mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah. And then seeing students work through things and get to someplace great, it kind of shames me into working harder, <laughs> you know? Because it, it's hard to, you know, I've been a photographer for, I don't know, 55 years, or, and mm-hmm. it's hard to keep going. And And the students have helped me keep going and kind of set a bar. I mean, there's only so much hypocrisy I can stand in myself right before right. I've got to do what I say and uh-huh. uh, there were uh, a couple things you know Joe Jockton used to say something that helped me so much and I wonder if I ever said it to you uh-huh. and I wonder if it came from Aaron Siskin. he would say if you were doing struggling he would say you gotta take the bad pictures to get to the good pictures mm-hmm. that dumb sentence has helped me so much through my whole life because it recontextualizes failure, right, into right. a stepping stone for something that's going to be good. And he would talk like that. And a lot of it came from Siskin. You but, do, you have said that. You did say
1: that. Yeah. And I say it
2: too. Yeah. 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 yeah these little nuggets. and mm-hmm. um, But you were talking about pictures Uh, A couple things happened to me and I got into a discussion about this with an archivist, because I'm I'm sort of looking for an archive maybe for my work and I've been getting it all in shape. And um, you know, I realized my whole career in the back of my mind, I kind of imagined somebody seeing the work 50 or 100 years later on, right? And what would it mean? And there were a couple things that really set that in my mind. Um, when I was just an undergrad, Richard Nickel, the architectural right. photographer, got killed. And uh, John Vinci and some other people were gonna preserve his archive, and they knew Joe Jockna. And Joe recommended me, and I contact printed his, all his four by fives mm, okay. for their files. Right. It was a summer job, it was a horrible summer job. And um, But I saw every large format negative he had ever made and mm-hmm. how he stored it and how he numbered it so people could make sense of it. Right. So that had a big effect on me. And then a book came out from Frankel Gallery, The Age of Exploration. And that was like a blast for a photographer like me. It was all the expeditionary photographers, you know, Timothy O'Sullivan and all the rest, Carlton Watkins Watkins. and Mm -hmm. Jackson and a bunch that were lesser known. And I just thought, wow. Oh, and one more thing. I was looking at Walker Evans' pictures and there's that picture where there's two billboards with movie posters and then some old dilapidated houses behind. I think it's Atlanta. And it occurred to me all of a sudden that he took that in the moment where those posters were brand new. Mm-hmm. You know, it looked so old right. to me and so interesting, but all of a sudden I had this sense of what it was like to be standing there in 1936 making that picture Right. and how I could learn from that. You know, he was making a contemporary picture that now had this amazing impact to me. And those three things, or three little epiphanies It it changed my work, which probably isn't the best for a career because I wasn't interested in the art topics of the day anymore or moving Mm -hmm. photography forward or that whole other frame of thinking where you're really in conversation about art now. Mm -hmm. No, I was (laughs) thinking 100 100 years after I'm dead, are these pictures going to be interesting, Uh, which is not a, a... productive for your career, exactly, you know? You're not gonna right. benefit from that. But it's true it's in yeah. my head, and when you said
1: that, it, that all came back to me. Right, yeah, oh, that's hilarious, man. Because I've said the same things, like, oh, will they find some grad, some PhD student will yes. need to see, like, what photographs were made of black families and Mid two thousands, like right. well, who did that? Right, who did that work? Yeah, um, and then my work will pop up, and they have all this really great archive of things to look at. And man, so cool. this
2: guy—he's so right? Donna, yeah. unbelievable.
1: It's like our Eagles. I—I I don't know. I used to tell my wife that she said, "Oh, okay, is that an Eagle thing?" I said, "I don't know, honey, but I love it." And that's like why it I is, keep making these it? things. Well, w-
2: when you make things, isn't don't you want something like this? Right. I mean, um, you know when I became chair, uh I'd spend all day working and I'd leave and i I didn't know what I'd done that day. I was exhausted, but maybe Tosh, mm-hmm. that's like what you do. You deal with a lot of stuff every day mm-hmm. and and so you make something, and you want it to yeah. have some lasting value yeah,
1: yeah, it's own life, right, yeah, yeah.
0: So I just wanted to go back a little bit to when you were talking again about this. I'm going to go way back mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> um, to when you were really talking about again this sort of making a picture for a hundred years from now mm-hmm. uh, for the you know the archivist or the researcher mm-hmm. um, and thinking about how b- both of you and many photographers. Are trained in capturing that moment, but that slow moment. You know, mm-hmm. you know, um, Bob. I know you use like a four by five camera. Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. not sure what kind of what I go you, you between do. Different things. Different things. Yeah, but yeah, you, different mediums. But mm-hmm. there's still a slowness. And okay. today's society is so much about trying to capture it, fleeting moments, mm-hmm. very quickly, without that calming, yeah. mm-hmm. constructive. Like I'm going to compose every bit of this picture one it was very expensive so mm-hmm. you were smart about each picture that we were ta- yeah, you know right. taking mm-hmm. and and that change and so i'm i'm interested in kind of the finale more about photography and the state of photography today and that mm-hmm. difference between the accessibility of you know the iphone and capturing which will also be an interesting archive <laughs> okay. to look at in the future of, of capturing. I mean, our entire society is now captured mm-hmm. in every everything, what we're eating, yes. where yes. we're walking. Mm-hmm. You know, our yes. observations are, are now, but not – and everybody can say I'm a photographer because I do all of this. But mm-hmm. there's a big difference between what you two have – made a career of mm-hmm. versus that kind of fleeting archive of, of capturing so mm-hmm. I'd love to just kind of end on your thoughts about the slowness of how you work and th- mm-hmm. that uh, the importance of slowing down and framing your picture as opposed to uh, taking, capturing quickly mm-hmm. a picture.
2: Well I'll tell you I think, I think it's an important thing Tosh and it goes back to um, to looking for value in, in what you're doing. you know, What's the value of the kind of photography you're making? And there was once, when you go back to the era of exploration, nobody had seen those places. And those guys went out, and they were all guys, but they went out and they took pictures and brought them back, and that was the only way you could see it. And now you're talking about this flood of images, but in terms of my work, there's a really specific issue because Google Street View has photographed everything that I have photographed. Virtually everything, um, you know, my most current work had to do with American cities that are in kind of decline, the downtowns. Every picture I might take is accessible. You can type in an address in Tampa, and you can see Google Mm. Street View of, so the information is there and accessible. You know, sometimes I'll scout a little before I go a place. I'm not to the point of picking, but just thinking, oh, the South Side's interesting Mm -hmm. of this place. So it's all there. So what am I doing? What makes a difference? And I think if you trust the medium of photography enough, there's times when the picture comes together. I mean, w- in one way, using the formal elements mm-hmm. tells the viewer that this is important. They can see some intelligence. They get a sense of an intelligent mind making the the image and that creates an importance that mm-hmm. the viewer senses. Or the picture just sticks together. Or, or it distills out something that means more than the whole 180-degree view means, you know? Mm-hmm. And it also goes back to Tchaikovsky's old um, analogy of somebody pointing. You know, you walk around the block with a biologist, and she'll point at this and that, and this is a invasive species, and you walk around block with a historian, and they might point out, so-and-so lived here, and and an architectural historian will point something else out Mm -hmm. so that I can add that, if I work at it hard enough, I can add that peculiar point of view which makes that walk more interesting and that Mm -hmm. cohesiveness, at least that's the theory. And mm-hmm. Now the other idea might be, you know, really, there's no reason to do this anymore. <laughs> now that you got Google Street View, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> oh
1: wow! Yeah, that's a like I, I'm the, uh, I'm in the bridge generation. So uh, from analog to digital, so I I was there and lived through the change and how it went from photographs required a lot of energy resources to make and show to to now where like they just they just everywhere right and they pop up everywhere but I still think um, because I get into these conversations with my students I'll look at their um, social pages I'm like oh you put your photographs you're making in class you don't put there you think those are different than the ones you're sharing on your social media page? Why don't you put this really great photograph there, right? But on some level, they felt like that's cheap, or not uh, maybe cheap's not a good word, but it's um, it's so accessible that it can't have any value, right? Which is misguided because it still has value, but it doesn't because you can access it doesn't mean it's not valuable, but but the picture that they made in class, that they printed in class, they kind of keep those as they're kind of special. Like something different went into the making of those, right? And it's, it's always been the photography's blessing and curse, right? It's uh, Photography is ubiquitous. It's very democratic. Mm-hmm. You know, I can hand you a camera and you might go out and make a good picture mm-hmm. that day, right? The, the key is can you do it for 50 years, yeah. right? Or would you be interested in doing it for 50? Yeah. How do you stay interested in it, right? And so it, I feel like it's a lot... It, we separate out people, I don't even like that word, but people separate themselves out by their um, in a, their ability to slow down, to take in something, right? Understanding that whatever's in front of them is important, right? Not just for the documentation of it, to show someone I was here, but also that um, a photograph again, has that that long life that we're expecting it to have, and so that's why I keep making them. Um, And then I wrestle with, should I be posting more pictures in that space? Because then it makes me a contemporary person that's wrestling with contemporary issues. But then there are some days when I can completely pull myself away from it and understand that I'm making something very different in the space that I'm working in right, that's very different than social media or those platforms. But we can look back 40 years and people thought that even then people were making too many pictures. Yeah. Right, that's yeah, always kind of been when the thing. When
2: Kodak started it, was horrifying, right? You mm-hmm. got uh, pre-made film. But, right. Um, but then there, there's things because photography is so wonderful, you know, in Sharkovsky's book, um, the photographer's eye. There, I don't know, maybe a fourth or a third of the pictures are anonymous or mm-hmm, commercial aren't. photographers, mm-hmm. or and I think his point was that th- this medium is just so wonderful; it can do such wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Even accidental pictures sometimes have have meaning. But um, you know, when I walked in your show at the Cultural Center a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. That that those pictures had a weight and uh, impressiveness and a you know just just a presence that was entirely different th- than the flood of pictures mm-hmm. a- and and even though the subject was common you know in mm-hmm. a way in a way I. I my suspicion is that the flood of iPhone pictures and all the pictures online, in a weird way, may be making traditional mm-hmm. values in photography more important because mm-hmm. it pulls right. it, it pulls out something mm-hmm. um, and because you need that, and I need to make better pictures when I'm out there, I can't make a picture just, oh, this is interesting, let me just get a picture of this. I have to push harder, because mm-hmm. that picture, that first picture, is already on Google Street View. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes, I, 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 when I used to go, I haven't been on a trip in a while, but I used to come back, to develop my film, and then sometimes I'd look at the Google Street View of where I'd made pictures. And sometimes my picture wasn't that much better, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that, that's become right. a bar.
1: So mm-hmm. yeah, you gotta get yeah, it I like that, Bob. That's good, and I, and I think that speaks directly to the idea of like the the practitioner selecting out and trying to find a way to pull back. And right, how do you? Stand? I tell my students all the time. I would say, Google. Whatever it is, the subject matter you're thinking about, and then I say, okay, there are, there are like three thousand pictures that already exist. Like, why are you making another one? Doesn't mean you'll make it, but it's just something for you to think about. Yeah. There's already three thousand of them, right? And then, how are our pictures in this class going to stand out, right? And you're right. I think it is something about, right? The more they have, the more you have to make your work more selective, right? It is like this kind of push. Right. So instead of from an instructor or your colleagues, it's from this unanim- this uh, anonymous flood of pictures that make you. I think you must be a great teacher. Cecil. I'm
2: thinking <laughs> I should take your class. It would <laughs> was get was thinking, me going.
0: I was thinking the same thing. You are <laughs> I, an excellent teacher. I just, and Bob. <laughs> I've
2: is I you oh, say dear. not only interesting things but important uh, things and oh, things. Man. Uh, yeah. No. I'm, I, think I was trained a great as a modernist by some of the great photographers
1: of our time. That's
0: great. Well, that's uh, actually a great place to conclude our uh, our conversation. It's oh, been so fun, and I agree with Bob. that it would be wonderful to have you as a teacher. Uh, yeah, I know what it's like to have Bob as a teacher. It's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> so, And I think just as all, everything you said about the importance of continuing the, being a picture maker and very concentrated. Um that's why the three of us are in this room together today. Right. It's what we're They're all tops. passionate about. Yeah.
2: Yes, absolutely. It's <laughs> yeah.
0: why I have a job too.
2: <laughs> well, and why the Museum of Contemporary Photography is so it's wonderful. Right. There's picture making we didn't even know was there, right? Right. And absolutely. And yeah. and it's amazing. And um and you're the one that's gonna keep our work for a mm-hmm. hundred years. Exactly. Right.
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, uh, Bob and Cecil. It was really um, a pleasure to spend the afternoon with you talking about my favorite thing to talk about. So it's wonderful. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to Focal Point. Focal Point is presented by the Museum of Contemporary Photography in partnership with the Communications Department at Columbia College Chicago and WCRX FM Radio. This episode was produced by Matt Cunningham and Maxwell Hallam. Music by Savy. To see the images we discussed today, please visit mocp.org, hashtag focalpoint. You can also follow the Museum of Contemporary Photography on Facebook and Instagram at Shy and on Twitter at MoCP underscore Chicago. If you've enjoyed our show, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Focal Point anywhere you get your podcast.